Support for Kansas City Today comes from Cleveland University, Kansas City. From its roots as a chiropractic college to new degree programs in health sciences, CUKC is educating healthcare professionals focused on next-level health. Learn more at cleveland.edu slash impact. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Monday, August 29th. Coming up, Kansas City has committed to a plan to cut carbon emissions and address climate change. We'll take a closer look. But first, some headlines. Monkeypox cases are still rising in Kansas and Missouri, but appear to be leveling off as vaccines become more readily available. KCUR's Noah Taborda reports. Missouri currently has 41 active monkeypox cases, including four in Kansas City and one in Jackson County. Kansas has five cases, one in Johnson County. University of Kansas Health System Infection Prevention Director Dana Hawkinson said the hospital has given out just under 100 doses of the Genios vaccine. It's going well. We would certainly like to get as many people vaccinated as possible. In addition, I think the messaging is getting out to the right populations. According to the World Health Organization, monkeypox cases are down 21 percent globally in the last week. Kansas Governor Laura Kelly has announced over $3 million in grants to help first responders fight opioid abuse in rural Kansas. But Rose Conlin of the Kansas News Service reports some rural parts of the state are excluded. The grants will fund training so more people know how to use medication that reverses opioid overdoses. But two of the state's emergency medical service regions, the ones including Wichita and the Kansas City area, are not eligible even though they do contain some rural areas. Dave Johnston is the EMS chief for Reno County, one of the excluded areas. He says opioid abuse is a big problem and treatment options are limited. It's really affected my county tremendously here. I think we've had over the past couple of years over 40 plus uh, fatalities. He's asking the state to expand eligibility for the grants, but so far that hasn't happened. Scientists at Washington University in St. Louis are testing a new version of the original Moderna COVID-19 vaccine that's better suited to newly emerging variants of the virus. Dr. Rachel Presti says the updated shots allow the body to prepare for proteins on the surface of the virus that allow it to invade cells. Presti says that protein keeps changing in COVID variants. If we can update that immunity to match the virus better, the hope is that this will become a milder infection and will become more and more like the common cold. Both Moderna and Pfizer have asked federal officials to approve the newly formulated boosters. Last Thursday, the Kansas City Council committed to making the city carbon neutral by 2040 by passing the Climate Protection and Resilience Plan. KCUR's Savannah Hawley has been covering the plan and what it could mean for the city. She told me why restaurants and utility companies initially opposed it and how it could change transportation in Kansas City. Where did this plan come from? Yeah, so this has been a long work in progress. Um, the first climate protection plan the city released was in 2008, actually, and it was also the first greenhouse gas inventory that the city did. And it's it was updated throughout the years. 2019 was the last update before city council passed a resolution in 2020 to update the plan with um, new greenhouse gas goals, as well as resiliency and equity goals, which were not in the plan before. And then in 2021, the council declared a climate emergency, which kind of increased the urgency for the plan. Um, there was a, a mayor-appointed steering committee um, to write this plan and get public input. And then after all of those comments and public input, the plan was introduced um, just a few weeks ago and passed through city council. 
So what are the goals of this plan? So the ultimate goal is carbon neutrality. Um, by 2030, the city wants to reduce carbon emissions to 4 million and achieve municipal neutrality. And then by 2040, um, they want the whole city to be zero carbon. There's also six different categories for these goals, um, which include short-term plans as well. Um, so these six categories are mobility, and the sh one of the short-term plans for that category is to accelerate the building of sidewalks and bike lanes, as well as increasing bus frequency so less people are driving. The next category is natural systems. So they want to increase green infrastructure to address rainfall patterns, prevent future flooding, um, you know, increase shade for the heat that will come. In the food category, they want to remove barriers to urban agriculture so more people can have access to food and connection to, to food growth. Um, and in the waste and materials category, they want to expand the city's recycling and green purchasing. In the energy supply, they recommend that the city advocates to close Evergy's Hawthorne coal power plant. And so if that succeeds, it will be shut down by 2025. And then the home and buildings category, which is the last category, they are recommending incentives to transition homes and buildings to clean energy. So there have been a lot of people who've been wanting to shut down the Hawthorne coal plant for a long time, right? Can you talk a little bit about the history behind that? Yeah, so the Hawthorne coal plant is um, located in northeast Kansas City. Um, more than 35,000 people live near and around the coal plant, um, and it's the largest emitter of greenhouse gases in the metro area. So this has been sort of the target for environmentalists to say, you know, if we want to make a big change, we need to close this coal plant. It's been shown to cause asthma and respiratory issues for those who live um, around the coal plant, which is a low-income area. Um, and because the plan's ultimate goal is to go zero carbon, it's necessary to decrease the use of fossil fuels to do that. And since the coal plant is one of the largest emitters of fossil fuels, it, it's kind of a natural progression um, to sort of recommend that closure. So who supported this plan and why? Yeah, so environmental groups like the Missouri chapter of the Sierra Club, Mothers Out Front, and Sunrise Movement, KC, supported it, as well as hundreds of people from around the city who gave um, their input to the plan through public comment um, and during committee meetings when it was introduced. Um, and city council overwhelmingly passed it 11 to 1, so it seems to be pretty popular through each um, district. And why did some local groups oppose this plan? The main opposition to the plan came from um, Spire and Evergy, those utility companies that, you know, have natural gas as one of their main proponents, as well as some small business owners and restaurant groups who are afraid that the restrictions on natural gas would affect um, their business and their profits. The opposition comments kind of centered around two main concerns. One was jobs. At a committee meeting last week, um, city council accepted public comment, and several workers um, in the natural gas and utility industries voiced their concerns about losing their jobs if natural gas were to decrease um, or to be severely cut in the Kansas City area. I will say the plan includes job training and recommendations for green jobs. Um, they say investment in clean energy provides three times more jobs than investment in fossil fuels, and they want those jobs to be union jobs, like most of the people concerned about about their labor um, were. They belong to unions. And so these are recommendations, but there is action steps in the plan to sort of 
make sure that those jobs are protected. And then the second concern is just the general use of natural gas. So like I said, those restaurant groups and small businesses, a lot of restaurants have gas stoves. Um, and that was a main concern was that, you know, these small businesses run on natural gas and what will you do if, if it gets taken away? Um, as, and representatives from Spire and Evergy voiced their concern at the committee meeting as well. Um, and they also privately urged many council members um, to recommend not using that language to phase out natural gas. Those representatives did win a few small changes to the plan, uh, which Councilman Eric Bunch said uh, were semantics. Essentially, it replaces a phrase in the home and building sections to replace clean electricity with clean energy, uh, which is meant to include natural gas. Um, but the changes were approved by the steering committee for two reasons, and that is that those changes did not affect the plan's actions or implementation. Um, and they define clean energy through the U.S. Department of Energy's definition, and that does not include natural gas. So they don't consider natural gas to be clean energy. So there's kind of a tension there. So would the plan have affected people with gas stoves in their home as well? No, the plan does not affect people with gas stoves in their home. Um, it certainly recommends um, new builds and new appliances are induction or electric, um, but no one's going to come to your apartment or your house and say you can't use a stove anymore. These are citywide recommendations um, for the future, um, and and also recommendations to if you want to get rid of your gas stove on how to transition it out. Um, but it is by no means a rule um, or a law saying that you can't use natural gas anymore. In fact, it's against Missouri law to dictate. Um, the use of one utility over another. So what changes in their everyday lives can Kansas Cityans expect to see from this plan in the near future? It's important to remember that this is a resolution. It's not binding policy. So just because this plan is passed doesn't mean anything will necessarily change. However, Kansas City is one of the first to pass a plan of this kind, and environmental groups and some council members are very committed to make sure to making sure that these action steps are implemented. I spoke to Robin Ganell, who's the chair of the steering committee uh, that made this plan, and she said that they're already working um, with representatives from council and the state to secure federal funding from the Inflation Reduction Act um, to fund some of these climate goals, um, which is stipulated in the act. So they're hoping that the influx of federal funding can kind of push the plan forward. Um, as well, some of those short-term plans I mentioned earlier um, will come into a effect fairly quickly. So in the mobility sector, increasing um, bus frequency um, and, and building new sidewalks and bike lanes. Um, the sidewalk and bike lanes are already, are already happening through the city's Vision Zero initiative. So I expect that that will continue to happen on a pretty um, rapid succession. But other things like transitioning away from natural gas will take a lot longer and I suspect even longer to feel that individually like in your own home. Savannah Holly is a reporter for KCUR. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love, Trevor Grandin, and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Savannah's coverage of Kansas City's Climate Protection and Resilience Plan, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow. Up until recently, even Henry Perry's own granddaughter didn't even know how critical he was in creating the culinary institution of Kansas City Barbecue. He just 
wasn't talked about. It was just known that he was the barbecue king. Join me, Suzanne Hogan, host of the podcast, A People's History of Kansas City, for a behind-the-scenes look of our barbecue episode, Thursday, September 1st. Tickets are at kcur.org events.